Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Praise you, Jesus. You are so worthy. You are so worthy. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. We worship you, Jesus. We honor you. Hallelujah. 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 You know, last Sunday, we said we're celebrating the anniversary when a wall of redemption, a wall of rescue, a wall of protection was put around us. But you know what? It's still Resurrection Day, right? It doesn't make any difference. And, I, you know, we were singing, he reigns, he reigns, he reigns. But guess what? Because of that wall of redemption, we reign. I am not, and we're going to get this. I'll tell you what. You know, that revelation is coming fast and furious of who we are in Christ. And that's the way we're going to reign on this earth and take over. We're going to take over the city, take over, take over the whole area in the spirit realm. And I, because we reign because of what he did on the cross. Oh, it's just oh, a wall of redemption. It's a wall, a, a, a wall that can't be penetrated by the devil if we believe it and use it in our life. Amen. Glory to God. Well, you can be seated. <laughs> I just was excited about that. Hey, you know what? First, let's greet each other and just say, hey, a wall of redemption is around you. A wall of redemption. <laughs> well, a wall of redemption. Amen. Amen. Woo. Okay, so you can put up there Philippians 4. I'm going to, I did this on Wednesday night, but we're going to receive the tithes and offerings. Okay, Philippians 4, 14 through 19. And this, uh, because there's more people, there are bank accounts. You have a bank account in heaven. There's bank accounts on earth, but you got a bank account in heaven too. So, um, got it up there? Philippians 4, 14 through 19. <laughs> And, and I'll just say the same thing I said last, uh, uh, Oral Roberts uh, had a, a appendicitis, and they were afraid it would burst, and this was when he was older, I think he was in his 70s, and he, uh, so they took him to, to his own hospital, the hospital was still there, and um, and they, they said they were going to do surgery, it was at night. And, uh, and while he was, um, you know, just they were prepping him and doing stuff, and he was started to pray, and, and he just said, Lord, I call on the, my bank account in heaven to be healed. <laughs> and so they did another, you know, another uh, ultrasound, whatever they did, to see it. I don't even know if those existed then. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, I had four C-sections and never had an ultrasound or knew who the, what the kids were, what <laughs> what sex they were going to be. But um, uh, when they did it, it was gone. The, the in inflammation was gone. All the inflammation was gone. <laughs> but you know what they did do? They, I think they actually did the surgery 
in case something would come back. They actually did it. But it was gone, the inflammation, because they were really concerned about his age and so forth and so on and the infection in his body. Okay, so Philippians 4. Yep, mm-hmm. Philippians, okay, Philippians 4, 14. Uh, but it was, I'll just start, it was right and commendable, yep, and, uh, and notable of you to contribute for my needs. He's talking to the Philippian church. And to share my difficulties with me, and you Philippians yourself well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry when I left Macedonia, no church, no assembly entered into partnership with me and opened up a debt and a credit account in giving and receiving, except you only. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. Not that I seek or am, am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit, for the fruit, for the fruit, which increases to your credits. The harvest of blessing accumulating to your account. But I have your full payment and more. And I have everything I need and I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent to me. They are the fragrant odor of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and in which he delights. And my God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, this, this is what I see. You give to the poor. You give to other ministries. You give and give to each other. And you give, you tithe first. You give offerings. And that's something that we have always done. And to other ministries and big amounts that people would go. And then also, even when speakers come, we treat them like kings. And, um, and because of that, that is why that I, I, the Lord told me to talk about this, because I have talked about it in the past, way back many years ago, because I had notes on it. But uh, it's in this book, too. So that reminded me of it, about a, a heavenly bank account. And um, it, it's what you do and the, the things you do for others and, yeah. and so forth and so on. And, and then, see, because of that, that's why that, that all that our construction is coming up so fast and being paid for. I know it is. And I know it is. That's the reason we always have. That's why we are called paid-off church. <laughs> I mean, they, they actually call us that in Marietta. Oh, there's Miss, Mrs. Padoff. <laughs> I don't mean, I didn't know it. I just, they start, I said, what? And <laughs> so some kind of little reputation's going around. There's a, actually people who want to know how. <laughs> and it kind of, I was like, oh? <laughs> I was kind of shocked. Anyway, okay, so, 
So a lot of people don't realize they have an account in heaven. So the Philippians had established an account in heaven. It says, verse 15, no church but yours went into partnership and opened an account. And in verse 17, it, it, you know, it's like, I want your money. You know, I want, it. I want your gift. You know, that isn't it. It's for the fruit that increases to you. You know, because I always pay, they just want your money. That is just, you know, that stinking thing goes around. And it, it's so wrong. Pastor gives more than the rest of the people a lot of times. So see, and uh, there's different translations. I seek fruit which accrues to your account. Another one, I am anxious to see abundant returns placed to your account. Another one, I am anxious for the interest that accumulates to your divine account. Um, I seek, uh, these are all different translations. There's so many translations out there. <laughs> you used to have just two or three. Yeah. I seek for the profit which increases to your account. What I value most, another, this is another one, is the interest that mounts up in your account. And so, see, there, there's different kinds of giving. I mean, first of all, you tithe. You know that. Then there's offerings. And this would be considered under all those offerings. And then there's the first fruits, and there's also alms, and that's, and that's to the poor. So, you know what? When, when you lay it up, you have that bank account yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Amen. Um, Amen. And... I, you know, there are times when you can make withdrawals. Let me just read this. Kenneth and Gloria Copeland were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was a preacher without a place to preach and driving a worn-out car with 95,000 hard miles. <laughs> they had children to take care of, and he was going to Oral Roberts University and college to pay for. Up until this point, their financial track record was not good at all. They owed people with no apparent way to ever pay them back. But after, I mean, he was in big debt. <laughs> and you've heard the story from them. But after hearing Kenneth Hagin preach about faith from Mark eleven twenty three, they decided to take action. They gathered, gathered all their debts. They listed every person and the amount owed. If you're in trouble, that might be some way to do it. They calculated in great detail what it would take for them to operate their household. They included a 15% pad in their budget for extras. They determined that they, what they needed in their immediate future, and all of this information was written on paper in a formal prayer of agreement. Days went by before they would sign their names to the agreement, for they prayed and fasted. They repented before God for not being a good representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. They agreed together, according to Romans 13, 8, that they would never borrow another dime. Well, you know that about their ministry. Now, that is, you know, it's whatever Lord tells you. But they committed to God that they would pay back everyone they owed. They continued to make deposits into their heavenly account by faithfully tithing and then sowing seed. See, you've got to give that extra seed because the, the, if you just tithe, that isn't 
what brings in increase. It's the extra. I mean, you know, even if it's whatever it is. This process took time, effort, prayer, focus, and diligence. They saturated themselves with God's word and cut off every voice of the world. They had no TV or newspapers. Boy, they were determined to get out of that. Just the word of God. And praise God, 12 months from that day, every debt was paid in full and every need was completely met. See, and there's, there's a seven-point bank of heaven withdrawal. Decide on the amount you need. And we'll go back over this. Be exact and single-minded. Write it down and list your needs, your debts, and desires. Get in agreement with your husband, wife, or other people of like faith. And claim what you need by faith. You have to bind the devil, too, and his forces. And loose the angels. To God, I kept saying, God... I loose angels to bring in all the money we need to pay for the trusses, to pay for this and pay for that, pay for this, pay for that. I say it all the time and say it whatever we need too. See, continually praise God for it and huge avoid strife and unforgiveness. Avoid it or repent right away. Amen. <laughs> okay, so ushers, would you like to... Pass that out. If you want to know something funny, well, one time we did this, we listed, I said, everybody list all your debts <laughs> or make copies of your bills. And this was in the small church, and we brought a grill <laughs> and put charcoal in it. <laughs> And we burned, oh no, we just burned it in the grill. We didn't put charcoal. We, we had, yeah, paper steak. No. Anyway, uh, yeah. What, we put it in there. And duh. I mean, it got smoky in there. Wow. And he said, open the doors, open the windows. And it was kind of hilarious. I mean, we, 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 we did, said a prayer and all those things, you know, we prayed over that, but then when it was burning, it was causing too much smoke <laughs> in the place, and we should have known better. Were you there, Margaret? I, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just was kind of funny. We laughed about it, because by that time, though, we had, you know, mm, good thing the fire department did come. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Because they were checking on us anyway when we had the school. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, are you ready? Uh, to, did you pass? Can I have an envelope? <laughs> uh, and a pen? <laughs> okay. So, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you supply all of our needs according to your thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> According to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, you will supply, Lord God. You will supply, and we give into that heavenly bank account in every way, shape, or form, Lord God, that we can. We thank you, Father, that we have a heavenly bank account up in heaven and that we can always draw on it in the time of need. 
We thank you, Father, that our tithing is like an insurance policy that protects our finances and protects us from the devourer destroying our cars, our, our houses, our whatever it is. So we thank you and praise you, God. Your word is true. Your word is true, God. It, it never returns void, but shall accomplish what we please and prosper in the thing for which we said it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. Let those praises continually. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Every praise. Keep that praise coming out of your mouth. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hey, and today we're even celebrating the wall of redemption around us, right? Okay. I have a, I'm going to do this, I'm going to continue on the sermon from last week because um, it quite wasn't finished. <laughs> but this is a Jewish Bible interpreted by a born-again, spirit-filled Jew, at least the Old Testament, in English from Hebrew. So they know what they're talking about. Were they <laughs> okay. So, Isaiah 53.1, and it says, in this Bible, who can believe what we have heard? Upon whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In the, in the King James, it says, whose report do you believe? You get a report from the doctor. Hey, Listen. You get a report from the doctor. You got high blood pressure. You got this. You got that. You got cancer. And whose report are you going to believe? Then it says, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I'll be honest with you, and I'm going to make this brief, because I've said it many, many times. The arm of the Lord is, is, is revealed to those in revelation knowledge who are listening, who are hungry who want it. I beg of you, God, with all my heart and soul and strength and mind, I want revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge. I want more, 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 more. And when we go there, this is the time. This is the time it's being revealed. So don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. I am serious. I've learned that from being there a couple last week or week, I don't know, whenever it was. <laughs> but don't miss out on revelation knowledge. Why? For 40 years, I've been saying, we've been saying, open up the eyes of my understanding. God, I want that with all my heart and soul. Flood my heart with light that I may know the hope to which you have been called, that I've been called. And how glorious is the inheritance of the saints. And that I may know the surpassing, immeasurable greatness of God's power in me. You know why then it says? Because it's the resurrection power of God. That same thing that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. It's in us. That's in Ephesians 1. And then it talks about how he's the head of the church. And we are his hands and his, 
it doesn't say that, but he said we are his body. Just like I got body parts, fingers. Maybe you is one finger, but you need your thumb. You need your little finger. You need, you need your big toe. You need your little toe. If it's cut off, it's, it's, it's very painful to walk and, to, and you aren't balanced, you know? You need, you are body parts. You have to remember that. Some body parts, when they don't function in our body, it causes pain and hurt. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. People are supposed to take their place in the church. That's how they, okay, just say you're, you're, you're supposed to be a pastor or a, an apostle or a prophet or uh, do you think, I mean, Hank Kuderman, if he didn't start out in the church, cleaning the toilets or doing any kind of work, he would never have gotten to where he's gotten. None of us will. You are to do something for God. And you know what? You want to, when that happens, you have that desire to do everything for him. You want it with all your heart and soul. You know what? You want it. Where was I? Okay, so, um, okay, yeah, but anyway, what, what we need, what, see, pray that prayer in Ephesians 1, 19 through 23, you, or 16 through 23, other ones aren't, uh, pray it all the time, open up the eyes of my understanding, God, flood me, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, and it's coming fast and furious, and now is the time when it is, there's stuff, it, seriously, in all seriousness. Well, you know, some people walk up because they can't stand what I say. <laughs> and that hurts me. It doesn't hurt me, but it hurts God. Because God wants us to grow up. He wants us to get bigger. He wants us to, 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 to get this because it's a matter of our families, of children getting sick, of us being ill. A matter of, of all kinds of things. Okay. So the revelation of Isaiah that God sent his son to die and save us belongs to whosoever will listen. Whosoever wants to hear. Whosoever wants to believe it. And it's done. And all God intended to accomplish in that redemption, that rescuing, for us is done and it's ours and you know what now we're going to receive who we are in Christ it's huge and so the whole arm see the arm of the Lord pulled Jesus out of hell the finger of God his little finger tossed Satan out of heaven so you the arm of the Lord is huge and the arm of the Lord he wants it to be revealed to you, to me, to all of us, to people who believe it. Okay, so um, I'm just, <laughs> the Lord told me to start out there. I know I'm probably, but I get excited <laughs> about this. Um, it says in verse 3 of the Jewish Bible, he was despised. He was shunned by men. He was a man of suffering, familiar with disease 
as one who hid his face from us. He was despised, and we held him of no account. In other words, he didn't make himself known, here I am. You know what I mean? He kind of, he was just like an ordinary man. Yet, verse 4, it was our sickness. Whoa, this is the Jewish Bible. In the King James Bible, it said it was our sorrows and our... Um, Griefs. Yeah, our griefs were, uh, were, the sick, were the pain, and they didn't want to say the words. But in the Jewish Bible, it says it was our sickness that he was bearing, our suffering that he endured. We accounted him plagued, smitten, and afflicted by God, but he was wounded because of our sins. He was crushed. Because of our iniquities, those are generational things that try to come on us. He bore the chastisement that made us whole and peace. When we lose our peace, I'm beginning to see that more and more. You know, when we lose our peace, it's the greatest cause of sickness. And, and the chastisement of our peace, he took it. He took all the chastising that would take our peace the hurt we could receive from families or children or parents or other people. Do you hear me? Yeah. The hurt that we could receive. Because this is important. He took it on him. He took it on him. So when that hurts, when somebody says something to you and it hurts, you know what? He took that. I'm going to maintain my peace. I'm not going to get offended, right? Is that offense? That is the biggest thing that pulls people out and pulls people away. And it's, it's unforgiveness. Then it says, he was crushed. Or no, they, by his bruises, we were healed. His whippings. Now, I mean, this was the Jewish Bible. It says a lot of different stuff in the King James. It really does. In the Amplified, it's a little bit better. I know I told you all that, but okay. So that Jewish Bible said, last thing I said was, it pleased the Lord, and that was verse 10, to crush him. <laughs> the Lord, God the Father, he wanted to crush him. You know why? I, I probably should read that whole thing. Let's see. But the Lord chose to crush him by disease, that if he made himself an offering for guilt, he might see his offspring, that's us, and have long life, and that through him... The Lord's purpose might prosper that we could have a life. You guys, we're supposed to be, and we're going to get this. We are supposed to be living, I'm telling you, pain-free, disease-free, <laughs> full of all this. <laughs> and the way you're going to get it is by, this, this guy was the one who really, I'm going to read something to you when I'm done, but, um, but, Okay, so anyway, 
But the Jewish translation says it pleased the Lord to crush him by disease. So he was beaten, and he was nailed to the cross, and it was awful, but it was only one half of what happened. And all the, all the horrible, gruesome sin of every person, every time they committed it, from Adam to the end of the world, <laughs> the last child that's ever born, all of it, all the sickness from Adam to the end, it converged on Jesus. It came on Jesus. But it came on his spirit. See, we look at the outside. And he became sin. He literally became sin. He became sickness. And he went to hell. And that's why, I mean, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what? Jesus, God the Father had to turn his face from him because he was full of our sins. He couldn't even look at him. And could you imagine, uh, what if God forsook us? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, or it's just like maybe your husband or your wife in the past has forsook you, some of you. And that hurts. Or your children have forsaken you. That hurts. <laughs> well, this, this was... <laughs> his son, and he had to forsake him because of us. But even that whole thing of us being hurt by other people, Jesus took it. <laughs> okay, so he, he God the Father separated himself from his only son for us. And, the, and then the full, because the full brunt of God's judgment and punishment because of Adam's sin and what we should be judged for and punished for came on Jesus. Now, the whole thing is, it's already done. And we're going to have to get to the point where we see this. See, but now, all of that, okay. But before he went to the cross, they ripped off his clothes. And he was naked. That's part of that humiliation. And they tied him to a whipping post to a point where he couldn't move his arms or even jerk out of the way. You know, like, like if something was coming, you, if you flinch, he couldn't even flinch. So see, they beat him and beat him and beat him and beat him. <laughs> like a criminal. And Isaiah saw that centuries before. And he said, God is bruising him, putting him to sickness. You see, most of the time we get born again and we say, oh, we're not going to go to hell. We're going to, but there's more to it. He not only took that, he took our sicknesses too. People believe only one half of the gospel. And it's out there. See, the Roman people hit him and hit him and hit him, but it was God who struck him. With a, and he struck him with a spiritual root of every disease and every sickness. Uh, I have a book, and Anita has a book too, from, uh, uh, it's from uh, a doctor uh, from Oral Roberts University who was a teacher, and they did, and 
There is a spiritual root to every disease. Spiritual root. We said something about cancer cells. They're mobile. And you know, too, but there's spiritual roots to every disease. And it come, it's in your spirit more than your body. <laughs> See, there's a core root. And God laid that on Jesus when the Romans beat him and beat him and beat him and beat him, beat him and beat him and beat him. But now here's, you know, okay. And we're going to, and I said this last week too, but there's a lie of the devil. The devil says, well, Jesus loves you and all that. That's great, you know. But you know what? This time you messed up. You messed up so bad you, you could never come back. <laughs> no. <laughs> and see, see, look, look at you. He'll, he'll condemn you because you get sickness and disease and all this stuff. And no, that's why he was beaten. And or the devil say, you must be a sinner. You keep sinning and sinning, you know, and you open the door to the devil. And to say you can't be healed because you messed up doesn't make sense. It's one of the enemy's favorite lines. to Because <laughs> he'll tell you, you have no right to be healed. You deserve it. No, that's why Jesus was at the whipping post. He died on the cross for our sins. But he was at the whoop, whipping post for our sicknesses. He could have died on the cross. They could have nailed him and all that stuff without whipping him first. And all of that. And see, that's what we got to think of, though, when stuff happens. <laughs> so he was taking a spiritual beating for you, taking your sicknesses and diseases the same way he did it on this cross, on the cross. And when we... You know, we need to think about it and just, you know, really look, look into this. Okay, now, okay, and I, I've actually given this sermon before, we, but what if you moved to a foreign city and you broke their law? And there's some weird, there's still, there's still some out there that they beat you. They tell you that we're going to whip you. Or they, like, they'll beat your feet even. And they, well, they, they said the punishment was a beating. So, and you're old. I don't want to say like me, but anyway. And you're, and so, you know what? You're, but you're getting older and you could die from it faster. You know what I mean? And so your son says, hey, mom, I'll take the beating for you. So I'm sure you didn't want to take me. So, so he does. And it takes him three Weeks to a month to recuperate. So they, but all of a sudden you get a knock on your door one day and they come to you and they say, hey, it's time for your beating. It's kind of like you got to go to court. You know what? You broke the law and you deserve it. What would you say? <laughs> oh no, my son took it for me. <laughs> he took it, the punishment for me. Well, what if you let them beat you anyway? Now, you know what? The other day, I was just, I was doing something, cleaning in the house or something, and all of a sudden, Jesus, I, it was like I was getting, in, from here it was coming, I paid the price already. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that in you. I paid the price yeah. already. 
I paid the price. I kept hearing it. I paid the price for you. I paid the price for your sins and for your sicknesses. Okay, because, I mean, see. So, but what if they let you beat him anyway? What if you paid twice for your groceries? What good would it do? See, we are free because Jesus already took the punishment. And legally, we do not need to be punished because someone already took the punishment. And especially, we shouldn't be punished by sickness and disease, even though we're the ones who committed the sin. Okay, so uh, verse 7 of Isaiah 53 said, now, you, you don't have to put it up there. You don't have to put it up there because it says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. I wrote it down. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter or as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. He opened not his mouth. <laughs> I just remember something. Uh, Marvin Popkin, who's now in heaven, he, uh, he told me once that when he first worked at Hormel's, they had lambs. And, and he said he was the one who had a, let's say, murder him, <laughs> kill him. And he says this one lamb licked him in the face, and he said it was... <laughs> he said he actually cried. <laughs> now, see, now, that's okay. But, all right, that's how Jesus came. Now, if they come to your house and they say, we are going to beat you, come with us. What if you do not open your mouth? Come on, that's a big What's going to happen? Right. You're going to get beaten when you didn't have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? We have to start opening our mouth and saying what God did for us and who we are in Christ, yeah. and telling off the devil when we have a pain or a symptom and say, I don't have to put up with this anymore. Amen. Seriously. See, if I get beaten, then my son that took the beaten, he did, it, he did it in vain for no reason. The gospel of Christ, the pure gospel of, of, that we have is substitution. Redemption is is the great exchange. He exchanged our sins and our sicknesses. <laughs> he took them. He rescued us. He ransomed us. He redeemed us. See, do you know why you're not going to hell? Because he went. Do you know why you don't have to pay the price for your sins? He paid the price already. It's already paid. So he exchanged his righteousness for our sins. He did it. So do you know why you don't have to be sick? Because he was beaten and bruised, and he took your sicknesses. And he opened not his mouth. Now, before that, let's put, uh, before I go on, let's, okay, now I know I'm standing here <laughs> and diagnosed with all kinds of junk. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I've had the consequences of it, too. <laughs> and, but I, you know, I'm going to, I still fight. And don't not go to a doctor. I'm not saying that. Don't not 
treat yourself. I'm not saying that. Uh, but just start learning who you are in Christ. So, okay. So Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Out of the King James, if you will put that up there. Go over this and over this. Uh, not fun when you're in pain, though. Do it before. <laughs> you know, and everybody thinks that the cancer thing, you know, was such a de big deal. Well, to me, I was first stage, so it didn't, you know. So I couldn't feel it. But see, so it was easy for me to fight. But when it came to, to a point where I couldn't walk anymore, I, I just decided to have something done about it. <laughs> yeah, and just, you know, and... Um, you know, you're, I'm, see what I'm talking about, and that doesn't mean you have to do that. If I would be, if I would have had more revelation knowledge, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, that's but we're gonna, t we're gonna do the best we can, and don't ever be condemned of where you're at. Your faith, you have to go by your measure of faith. You go by the measure of faith, but at least. Do something and get to know who you are in Christ because he is coming soon. And there is no doubt about it. There is no doubt. Now look, you're going to go up in the rapture to seven years and be taught how to rule and reign. And there's going to be another thousand years of living. In the millennial, where the lion lays with the lamb, and a little, little, and you, you, you can be part of that. You can be living there, Amen. and the, and the, you know, the, the children play with snakes, yeah, yeah. for fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poisonous snakes, but they can. And the lion and the lamb say, "Hey, man, we're buddies," <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. Okay. See. Lions are just like cats, big cats. <laughs> anyway, and they are big cats. Yeah, some of them are nice. <laughs> They're just so much bigger than we are. Okay, so let's go to Acts 22. No, no, no. Let's not. Let's do Matthew. <laughs> okay, when the evening... Now, see, Isaiah predicted all this. And it says, when the evening came, they brought unto Jesus many that were possessed with devils. And that's another thing. There's a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of stuff out there. And it's, what does the first thing say in the Great Commission? We'll cast out devils. And it says, he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that we're sick. Go ahead. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, keep that up there. It says, he made a difference between infirmities and sicknesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Now, infirmities means inabilities to produce results. Sicknesses, or it says uh, weaknesses. That's what it says. This is the definition out of Webster even. Weaknesses that occur in older age. But what does it say? Himself, then I looked up the word took. Took means obliterated, wiped out. Okay, for Jesus obliterated, wiped out our weaknesses that try to come in older age. So I don't have to have them. <laughs> he wiped them out. Now look, he, there's a difference between, and he bore, and that means he took them on himself. Because I looked this all up and meditated on it so many times. Our sicknesses. He took them on himself and he took them and left them in hell. I got to, I mean, it's just that it's something to meditate on. It's something to, to build yourself up in. And I mean, it, it, okay, I'm going the wrong way with Acts. Okay, Acts 22. Um, I, okay, so just to make it brief here, uh, Paul was now a Christian who used to have been called Saul, but uh, and the Lord renamed him Paul. And um, he knew about Jesus going to the cross and he died and all that stuff. And um, Paul started to preach the gospel and everywhere he went, it said a thorn in his flesh was going to happen. And what it was, it was, a, it actually, it describes it in the Bible. People have had stupid, I'm sorry. Biblical doctorate degree arguments about this. <laughs> it says it right in the Bible. It was a messenger of Satan. Satan wanted to stop him. He wants to stop us too. So he fools around with this stuff. He wants to stop me from standing here. <laughs> so but see, you got to fight that stuff. What I'm, this is what I'm saying. You cannot, okay. Come on. Uh, I just want to keep, keep my whole, keep myself going on. I can't, sometimes whew, I jump from one thing to another and then, it, okay, I know. So Paul went to this city and again, <laughs> he got, he, uh, they, what happened was, it, it can even happen in Fremont. You'll start preaching the truth and the revelation knowledge of the gospel and people will run away from you. I don't want to. I just want to have fun. But see, you can have more fun. <laughs> and they started a riot in every single city. And sometimes he got stoned, you know. And they said he died, and the, the apostles, the other ones, gathered around him and laid hands on him. 
See, and, but he still had consequences because in another part, they said something about that, oh, Paul had eye disease. Well, the reason was they threw a rock in his eye. <laughs> you know? And it was, uh, he wasn't quite recuperated from having rocks and stones thrown at him. Okay. I mean, there is so much I've, I've seen or read about and, and see the, all these intellectuals argue about it and it's in what you have to have is your spirit you have to come from here and not head knowledge and that's huge and sometimes we don't even know that we're in the mental realm Nancy Dufresne is addressing that right now because I, she's actually said sometimes people are in the mental realm and they think they're in the spirit realm and they're not so that's, that's something, guys, we're, we're getting to a point where it's getting deeper. I know it is. <laughs> okay, so here came a riot. And people get bad at you. Right? Even now, they'll run away from you. And don't, you can't get offended by that. You can't, because just know that there's something, your light's too bright. Have, okay, if I had a flashlight and I went over here and I shined it in John's eyes, yeah. he'd run. I'm kind of like, he'd, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. You're getting brighter and brighter and brighter and you don't yeah. even realize it. Yeah. Okay. All right, just, just okay. <laughs> so they were having a riot. Now let's go to verse 22. And Paul was talking, you know, and how he had killed Christians and how he had, uh, you know, put them in prison, separated families and murdered mothers and fathers, maybe even children. That's how, that's how bad he was. <laughs> Just think, if anybody had the right to go back and look what he had done and get guilty, but God had forgiven him. So remember that too. <laughs> you haven't done as bad as Paul did. Verse 22. Up to the moment. Oh, verse 22 of Acts 22. 22-22. And so he, Paul was talking and telling about all this stuff. Uh, could you... Uh, could you put it in the Amplified? I'm, I'm sorry. And see, okay, up to the moment, up to the moment that Paul made his last statement, the people listened to him. But now, all of a sudden, they raised their voices and shouted, away with this guy, such a fellow from the earth, he's not fit to live. And as they were shouting, keep going, and tossing and waving their garments and throwing dust in the air, that's how, that's how they do it. You know. The commandant ordered that Paul be brought into the barracks and that he be examined by scourging in order that the commandant might learn why the people cried out thus, against him. 
Okay? This is the most important part of this whole sermon. But when they had stretched him out with thongs and leather straps, Paul asked the centurion who was standing by, is this legal for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned without a trial? Next verse. Wait. And Okay, no, that's it. All right. Now. I want to I do this slow because it was torture. And see, the Jesus that Paul knew, he was preaching about Jesus. And they asked questions to Paul and they beat him. And they tied Paul to the whipping post just like they did Jesus. And they bound him with thongs just like they did Jesus. But what did Jesus say to them according to Isaiah? What did he say? He said nothing. Right. What should Paul do? Should he be like Jesus? Not in this case. Not if Jesus did it for you already. Not if the price was paid. What Jesus did as your substitute, as your great exchange, is not your example. Okay? okay. He did it in our place and on our behalf. Okay, verse, keep that verse 25. But when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul asked the centurion who was standing by, is it legal for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned without a trial? But Paul does speak. He opens his mouth because Paul knew his rights as a citizen of Rome. Non-citizens of, of Rome was no, a nobody. You see, if you were a citizen, you could appeal your rights in Rome all the way to Caesar if you were born there. Now, why is this in the Bible? <laughs> because Colossians 1.13, which I'm constantly talking about, says, we have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son the second we are born again. You're translated. You're living right now if you are born again in the kingdom of heaven. In Philippians 3.20, and put that up there, it says our citizenship as born-again Christians is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven more than we're citizens of the USA. We are. We are citizens of heaven right now, and we've got to believe that. We, the second we're born again, you're translated from blackness to light. And that's the Bible truth. I'm not saying anything that's not in the Bible. 
but we are citizens of the state, the commonwealth, the homeland, which is in heaven. We're citizens. And we have citizenship rights. We have citizenship rights. And from it, we earnestly and patiently wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So, it says, we're citizens as born-again Christians, and it's in heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And that's why your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the bottom line is there is only one roster that matters in time and in That's eternity. Right. And that is if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can still have, in fact, you have more of a blast. Because you should be happy. See, the good news, if your name is written in that book, you have rights right now. And mass, I tell you, masses of Christians don't know this. Most of them that are, well, most people believe that, that we have to suffer, that we have to do good work. See, and that's religion. That goes back to religion. See, you know, we were, we were, him and I were talking. To, by the way, he was, he led his barber to the Lord in Omaha, some barber to the Lord in Omaha. That's the way to go. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, sometimes he says it's like you appreciate it more when you, you had to come into it when you were older. <laughs> see, uh, see, People are silent. So the devil tears up our bodies. He torments us. He attacks us, right? Doesn't he? He attacks our minds, right? He attacks our bodies. He attacks us constantly with junk. And we have got to learn how to talk to him and answer it and open our mouth instead of keeping silent. Because I've done it too. I've just taken it. So you may even see, uh, in fact, somebody said that to me when they first started coming here, and they were already born again, but they said, you know, you never know what the Lord is going to do. Yes, you do. (laughs) It's in the word of God. Yes, you do know what the Lord is going to do. And the day that the devil has a heyday, killing, stealing, destroying, you know, our bodies, our finances, our families, our homes, and all that stuff, and they don't even know they have any rights. Well, we're going to learn that we have rights, right? <laughs> well, what, what if Paul had said, well, I guess I made a lot of mistakes, because I've been kind of that way. I deserve the punishment. Lord, give me strength. And he, and he will, if you don't know any better, because he loves you. But there's something better. Okay, verse 25, good, uh, again. Oh, go, rather, can you go back to 22, 25? Acts. So is it legal? Is it lawful? <laughs> but we are... Mm. See, okay, 
See, but when they had stretched him out with the thongs, the leather straps, well, when the devil comes on us and tries to afflict us and get all this stuff, it's like being stretched out, <laughs> right? I'm beaten and whatever, right? And Paul asked the centurion who was standing by, is it legal for you to put cancer on me? <laughs> is it legal for you? No, I'm just relating to you. Yeah, is it legal for you <laughs> to put arthritis on you? <laughs> to make you have a bunch of weaknesses in old age? <laughs> to destroy your joints? No? Is it legal? You might as well be flogged. <laughs> a man who is a Roman, a, 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 a person who is a citizen of heaven and uncondemned without a trial. <laughs> there, is a, there is a courthouse, I mean a courtroom in heaven. And in that courtroom, and this is part of what for later, but there is Jesus' blood. And it doesn't stink like blood does. When it's out of the body, it's alive and it's fresh. And, and it's something you've got to look at that, you know, the devil has to look at and say, no, they're redeemed by that blood because they received me. <laughs> See, and the devil is counting on us not knowing that. That's why he brought in all the denominations and the religion and saying it's by works. Nobody ever told me I had to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But I can't blame them. They didn't know either. I mean, I don't blame them. <laughs> See, okay, now go back. Uh, verse 26. And when the centurion heard that, he went to the commandant and said to him, what are you going to do? This man is a Roman citizen. And we could go to the devil. <laughs> and the little devil's, what are you, you going to do? He'll say to the, okay, there, okay, well, I'll, I'll <laughs> okay, he said that, what are you going to do to the chief captain? This is in symbolic of the hierarchy of devils, because there are, is a government with the devils too, okay, so see, well, I'm going to tell you what they are, okay. The powers, here's, okay, the ruler of the darkness of this world. He rules the principalities which are under him and the powers which are under the principalities. The, the powers, it sounds like they're power. They're not. They're little pipsqueaks who go around saying, hey, you could attack them because I think they're doing something wrong. You know, they're saying stuff out of their mouth, you know. So the principality comes and he tells the rulers of the darkness, said, okay, this is the strategy you use on them. In all seriousness, that's how it works. So, so maybe, maybe there's little old devils will say to a higher level devil who assigned him to go, you know, steal our finances or put something on our bodies 
they'll say, uh, what? what? What's this? They're citizens of where? You know? Uh, let, let's... <laughs> See, and they ask, hey, the ruler of the darkness of this world. Now, there is spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places, but those devils are the ones, the three of them, there's four sets, but those three rule on earth. The fourth one is he's over Biden. No. <laughs> I hope he's not over the United States right now, but, <laughs> but they are in specific places. And remember, the devil, the main Satan devil, can only be in one place at one time, and our God can be everywhere at the same time. <laughs> and, and some low-level devil will go to the chief one and say, hey, we couldn't kill him or steal his finances. How come? How come we couldn't? Let's ask the chief captain. And the chief captain says, well, he's a citizen of heaven. <laughs> And he has some legal rights, and apparently he knows those legal rights. But see, if you don't know the legal rights, yeah, they can attack you out of stupidity. I'm not caring enough to get in the word of God when you're born again. But we are citizens of heaven, and we have legal rights. Now, go to verse 27. So the commandant came, and he said to Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And Paul said, yes, I am. Go ahead. And the commandant replied, I purchased this citizenship as a capital investment for a big price. But Paul said, but I was born in Rome. We are born again. Do you see? We were born free when we were born again. Verse 29. Instantly, instantly, those who were about to examine and flog him went, poof, 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 I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and the commandant also was frightened, for they realized that Paul was a Roman citizen, and they shouldn't have even put him in chains. See? <laughs> they ex see, they were going to examine him and torture him. Do you see that with that examination? They, they tie him to the whipping post. They did that to Jesus. That's how they did it. The devils want to try us. Right? To see how much we know. So they put stuff on us. They put disease on us and steal our finances and cause division and strife and stuff like that. And that's why we got to open our mouth. We have to open our mouth. And see, the captain was afraid. See, make the devils afraid of you instead of being afraid of the devils. Speak the word. But you got, it's, it's just, it's something. See, we were born into it when we received Jesus. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. Jesus did it for us. And you got born again, and you made him your Lord and Savior. And you were born free. <laughs> born into a new kingdom. You were translated. 
You were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven. You're just plain old citizens. You got a passport to be down here. <laughs> Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and it is, but your, your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you have rights, you have privileges as a citizen of the eternal kingdom of God. All the kingdoms on the earth are going to be destroyed, including the United States of America. But God's kingdom will never be destroyed. But see, you've got to know those rights and speak them out. The angels would have come to Jesus right away because he was pure and clean. And he could have talked to him, but he did not open his mouth because he did it for you. And he could have, he, it says he could have asked for 12 legions of angels. How much is it on a legion? 75,000? 5,000. Okay, I was exaggerating. 5,000. But still, 12 times 5 is 60,000. <laughs> okay, but now he wants us. See, Jesus laid down his life willingly. Now he wants us to open our mouths. He wants us to take our authority. And see, you, you have to receive this by faith. This is exactly what God did for you, and most of the people really in Christianity don't even know what it is. Uh, faith, you know what? Without faith, it says in Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible to please God. And for he that comes to God, gets born again, must believe that God is. But not just, oh, I believe God is. No, no. he is everything to you that the word of God says that we have not gotten yet. Okay? And that he is a rewarder of them that seek, seek, seek books, books, different Bibles. Seek him. Hungry for him. God, I'm hungry for you. And I am. I'm starved for him yet. But see, faith is not deaf or dumb. Jesus did not open his mouth so we could open our mouth because faith speaks out loud and you know put up mark eleven twenty three. this is god's method of operation one of them and and he he says we have the faith of god he put it in us mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty two says, yeah, King James. Okay, I'm sorry, King James. But uh, he says, verily in the King James, verily means it's guaranteed, and my guarantee never stops. Verily means guarantee. One place he said it twice. But he says, verily, whosoever, you're a whosoever, put it, yeah, whosoever shall say unto this problem, this sickness, this disease, this lack of finances, this my children, my whatever, yeah. 
my marriage, whatever. Be removed, mountain. Be cast into the sea. And if I shall not doubt in my heart, but shall believe that whatsoever I read in the Bible, you got to say it, you got to say it out loud. Because the devil cannot read your mind. Thank God he can. But he can watch your actions about, and know where you're at. But you have to say to it, I say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. Sea water dissolves problems, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and shall believe that those things which he says, you have to believe it though, what you're saying shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. Okay, see Luke 10, 19, 10, uh, 19 says, Behold, I give you authority, you, authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the authority, which is zero, of the enemy. The enemy has no more authority because Jesus defeated him. There's so much to this, so much. But, but it, it's, it's easy. But see, we've got to know things that we can say right off the bat. That's why we need to learn some of the word, you know. And in fact, one of the, I don't know where this is, even is, but I thought about, is let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the rescued of the Lord say so out loud. See, sickness and punishment is not lawful for you, and neither is poverty. James 4, 7. So submit yourself to God with the word and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, now I'm just going to read something out of this identification. This, this is a book you need to purchase. Nobody is more important to look at than what I'm saying right now. I am trying. I spend hours and hours and hours sometimes. I, it doesn't make any difference with the hours I spend. But it's just that you... You're, you need to, God, if, if a millionaire was here and he was having a, a sermon and telling you how to get a million dollars quickly by the end of the week, you would, whoo, man, you'd be taking notes. Just think, you say that money isn't your God. See what I mean? God has to be your God. I'm not... It's just that I, I have such a passion for what I am saying right now because that's what redemption is. It wasn't just, oh, celebrated Easter, you know. It's every day. Happy Redemption Day. Okay. See, God is a faith God, and he counted the things that were not as though they were. Down in hell, he counted us righteous, and he counted us alive. He counted us as new creations, his sons and daughters, before the day of Pentecost came and before the first part of the body of Christ came into being. He counted us as his sons and daughters. He counted the things that were not as though they were, and they became. Sometimes we got to count those things, healing in our body. <laughs> That is not as though it was, and it will come. 
See, the moment we accepted him as Savior and Lord, the new birth became a reality in us. Okay. You noticed in the last chapter, he was made alive and we were made alive with him in the mind of justice. The justice occurred, real justice, like a courtroom. The courtrooms on earth are copied off the one up in the heaven. Serious. And that's very serious. That's, that courtroom is there. And the Holy Spirit is our advocate. See? He's a lawyer. That life was the nature of the Father. And when Jesus received that nature, he became righteous once more because he had been made sin. The moment he was made alive, God justified him. Made him just as if he had never sinned. He took all the sins. That's how he looks at you because of that. He looks at you just as if you had never sinned. You are born again, so you are justified. He was declared righteous because he had satisfied the claims of justice. He met every demand of the Supreme Court of the universe. Tells you right there that's where they got it. The Supreme Court of the United States was fashioned after this. That was the Supreme Court of the universe. <laughs> he made righteous, he was made, Jesus was made righteous with the life of God as we are made righteous in him. He was made so righteous that there was not one trace of the sin and disease that had become a part of him in his awful judgment. He was so righteous that he could enter the presence of the Father with no sense of sin or guilt or inferiority. Now I'm going to say something here. In, in Colossians, it actually says that we, we stand holy, faultless, and blameless right now in front of the throne room of God. Do you see? That's You are. You're holy. You're faultless. You're blameless. We've got to see, see all these things. Ooh. This, this is important. And when he was made sin, he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was made alive, God said of him, You are my son, this day I have begotten thee. You know what? All of you, when you got born again, he said, You are my son or my daughter, son and daughter, son... The sons of God are also the daughters of God. Because, you know, I was saying, Adam, okay, they took the woman out of Adam's side. We're the same. We're one. That's why it's so stupid when people look at the sex of a person at the pulpit. It's the spirit talking, not the... See, he stood, he stood before the angelic hosts as righteous as pure as though he had never been made sin and just think he had every one of our sins. Yeah. And the moment he was made righteous, he was the absolute monarch of the universe. He was the master of the underworld. He was the master of Satan. But guess what? He gave us that same privilege. He reigns and we reign with him. You sang it. But we reign with him. As long as he was spiritually dead, filled with sin, Satan ruled over him. But when he was made righteous, same thing, 
As long as we were spiritually dead, <laughs> Satan could rule over us. And as long as we operate in ignorance, Satan could rule over us. But when he was made righteous, he became the dominant master and ruler of hell. And so are we. If he was made righteous, then all of us who accept him as Savior, confess him as Lord, and receive eternal life are automatically made righteous that moment, and we too can dominate the forces of hell in his name. And it's all by grace, not by works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Oh, yes, Galatians. Put up Galatians 2, 20 and 21. This time put it in the, King, uh, in the Amplified. Yes, I want both of them. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. Remember, the Lord said to me, receive my grace for healing by faith. I'll never forget that. And give me permission to heal you. If you don't receive what this is saying... You can't get it. <laughs> there has to be belief. And you receive it by grace. It's just <laughs> grace is unmerited goodies. <laughs> unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. None of us. But he wanted it. <laughs> I have, now see, we have been. You can put your name in there. We've been crucified with Christ. In him, I'm going to do this slow, I have shared his crucifixion. We were on the cross. Yeah, yeah. Kenneth Copeland has that song. Yeah. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Yeah. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I'm living by faith by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God. We rely on Him. We adhere to Him. We cling to Him. We have complete trust in the Son of God who loved me. He loved me. And He still does. And He gave Himself up for me. Keep going. 21, therefore, because of all that, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something to be thrown in the ditch. I'm saying it myself. As something of minor, oh well, I don't have to listen in church. I can't wait to get outside so I can do my stuff. See, it's, this, this is major importance. And I still, I plan on having fun today in the afternoon. <laughs> I do not, okay, it's, it's not minor importance. 
And defeat is very purpose. We're defeating the purpose of God going to the cross. I do not sit aside and invalidate, oh well, throw it out, not important, I got to go do other things today. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, the undeserving, unmerited favor of God. For if justification, my God, it would be like you were going to go to the electric chair and somebody went there and got you off in the courtroom, Dodge County courtroom. They got you out. They got you out of it. For if justification, if righteousness and acquittal from guilt comes through the observing of the ritual of the law, well, I better go to church every Sunday. But I can sleep in church and not pay any attention to it. You know, I can do other things and talk to other people and look at my phone and do all this. The rich of the law. Oh, and I must go to church, though, every Sunday or every week. And so I'll go on Saturday night, and then we'll go out and get drunk, and then we can sleep in Sunday morning. But I made my obligation. Well, I can do all these good works. Oh, that person, they died. Oh, they did so much in the church. Surely they went to heaven. That is not what we're talking about, good works. God wants you to receive the grace of what he did. He wants you to just take it. It's like you giving a big, expensive present. You say, forget it, I don't want it. You know, a Lamborghini car with all the gas paid for and all the taxes paid for and all it paid for. <laughs> right. So here's your Lamborghini. <laughs> But see, we're, a lot of times we're just doing a ritual of the law. That's why I wanted to... I knew there was more. Okay. If, that, if all this just comes through observing some stuff, you, know, you do this and do that, and do some good works and pray and blah, blah, blah. You know, and even could be read... <laughs> I can remember this one wife wanted her husband to read. He said, I read my chapter. Yeah, what did he read? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> she even said that. <laughs> okay, you can't observe the ritual of the law that Christ the Messiah died for no purpose, groundlessly, and to no purpose he went through all that hell and torture and all that stuff in vain. His death was wholly superfluous. Oh, I got to pick this Bible up. Would you pick that that one? <laughs> he can't stand it up there. <laughs> Thank you. Wait a minute. I looked up superfluous. <laughs> and you probably know what it means anyway. I wrote it in my Bible. I hope I wrote it in this one. Okay, we're in Galatians. <laughs> Thank you. 
General Electric Power Company. No, Galatians 2. I love that verse. <laughs> okay. Okay. His death, his crucifixion, his beatings was wholly unnecessary, exceeding what was sufficient. But it wasn't. <laughs> he had to do it. It says in the King James, I am crucified with Christ. If we were crucified with him also, we were raised with him. We were raised with him. And all the other stuff, there's a lot he did in the 40 days and nights. Okay, I, I wasn't quite finished reading it. All right. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, and I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. I wasn't finished with this. I stopped it. It's all of grace. We are created in righteousness and holiness and truth. The same eternal life or nature of God that made Jesus righteous has been imparted to you in the new birth. Was it any wonder that the Spirit said through John, as he is, so are we. Hey, I'm almost done. I'm going to kid you. I won't be up here probably five more minutes. Okay. As he is, so are we in this world. And then he said, and he says, he was talking about the Antichrist coming against him. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Now we can understand 2 Corinthians 5.21. Him who knew absolutely no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans 3.26, that he might himself be righteous and the righteousness that we might himself be righteous and the righteousness of him that has faith in Jesus. God became the righteousness of Jesus and the moment we accept Christ as Savior and confess him as our Lord and believe that he raised him from the dead, he becomes our righteousness. As God became the righteousness of Jesus, so he becomes the righteousness of the new creation. I mean, okay. Um, Ephesians 2, 6. Now, this one I'm always talking about. He raised us up and made us sit together in the highest place of authority in the universe. He raised us up with him, made us to sit in the heavenly places. This could never have been a part of the revelation unless you are as righteous as he. In other words, you're not going to understand this, what I'm saying, unless you have revelation knowledge. Right now, I know it's getting a little late. Can't you see the utter fearlessness this gives you in the presence of all kinds of diseases and of Satan himself? Can't you see what boldness it gives when you enter his presence? The sense of oneness with him is as real as his sense of oneness was with us. 
when he was made sin and sickness. Let us arise and take our place as victors, as conquerors. Go out and do the work that Jesus began to do when he was here. <laughs> There's so much more in there. It's like, <sighs> yep, well, that is the end. And I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah, there was a lot to chew on. <laughs> it was meaty, but you know what? This was supposed to be taught to us right away when we were born again. The guy who wrote it, <laughs> how many years ago did he live? Now, I think he was actually died in the 1900s, at least, though, at the beginning. But it's just the point that this is what we are supposed to be taught. And it started, it tries so hard to get into a religious spirit, into everywhere, born-again, spirit-filled places. Okay, so, Father, we thank you that the fruit of what is going to remain. Devil, I bind you, and I bind your power to every demonic spirit that's tried to assign to steal this from the people in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that their eyes are open as never before, Lord, and that they will check into all of this, even this week, God, and know who they are in Christ and the reason he did all of this for us. So we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you, we honor you, Lord God. You are so good to us, God. So good. You did everything, God, that we even understand the love, how much love you had for us when you died for us, God, and that we might love each other in the same way. We thank you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're dismissed. <laughs>